What's up, everybody? Matt Gajewski here, back again with the Stochastic DFS channel. Today, we're talking college football DFS ahead of the DraftKings Conference Championship main slate on Saturday. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. We're also brought to you by Prize Picks. They have a first match deposit bonus up to $100 for new users, and they're giving you one free month of Odd Shopper when you make that first deposit. The link is in the video description below. Make sure you take advantage of this phenomenal deal if you are a new user. All right. We start with Oklahoma State, Texas. All right. Fun game here. All the totals are updated as of this morning. So we'll begin 15 and a half point spread in favor of Texas. And the total in the game is 54 and a half. It's come down a little bit. Pacing is pretty good. Oklahoma State is 31st with a 54 and a half percent pass rate. Texas comes in at 63rd in pace. They pass 47% of the time. Alan Bowman is a reasonable price-adjusted play for a team that throws the ball a ton. Matchup is going to be very difficult for him. Averages 234 per game. He actually has positive rushing yards, but we've really seen him struggle off late. I think Bowman is a price-adjusted play if you're like game stacking this game or something like that. And you might run into lineups where you need to play someone in his price range, but I'm not sure he's the guy I want to get to first and foremost, from this game. Their team total is just very low, below 20 points. The backfield, Ollie Gordon at 9K. Very, very expensive price tag on Ollie Gordon for a slate that I think is tightly priced on DraftKings. I have more interest in him on, on FanDuel, even though he's very expensive there. The price tag is just a little easier to get to with the slate dynamics. He just flat out doesn't project well when you price adjust. So there's going to be a lot of guys I would prefer. And that largely just comes down to the team totals, 19 and a half points. They're huge underdogs to Texas. The game environment's tough. You have to balance this with Ali Gordon likely touching the ball like 25 to 35 times. So there will be a lot of contests where I still play him and make concessions elsewhere, but he's not going to be a staple of my lineups or anything like that at this point. Receiving game. It's basically Brennan Presley, Rashad Owens, and Leon Johnson locked into three wide receiver sets. I still have a lot of interest in like Rashad Owens as a buy low. 9.3 targets per game in his last four. Largely backloaded. He only has 11 targets combined in the last two, but still on the field a ton. He's the cheapest. Leon Johnson, we've seen his targets yo-yo all over the place. Went from 11 to 2, back to 11. And Brennan Presley's been the locked in target leader of late. I mean, last four games, nine targets, nine targets, 19 targets, 14 targets for Brennan Presley. Jaden Bray's returned. He's still not playing much at all for this team. So you can pretty confidently avoid him, I believe. And then we haven't seen Sheetron. Green played a little bit recently, but we're just basically seeing Green and Bray as change of pace rotational receivers at this point. Texas, the team you should have a ton of interest in, 35 team total. If they throw their touchdowns, Quinn Ewers is going to look very good, but they also kind of treat him like a game manager. They don't really ask him to do a lot, so it is the receivers having to create on their own for Quinn Ewers. Right away, that makes me want to target him in tournaments if he comes in under own, so I'll be monitoring this throughout the week. But he does only average 269 through the air. He doesn't run at all. And as far as when you compare him to some of the other quarterbacks on the slate, he comes out as just a middling price-adjusted play. So. Ownership is going to be pretty key with Quinn Ewers. The backfield is tricky because you had C.J. Baxter get hurt in their last game. 
Obviously, they slaughtered Texas Tech, so they didn't need him. But that led to a 50-50 committee between him and Jaden Blue. And honestly, Savion Red played a ton. But just the game prior, C.J. Baxter finished with 25 touches. Prior to that, he had 19. So I still think C.J. Baxter's priced as if he's a change of pace back. When I'm not sure that he is when games are competitive. For just of like a profiling standpoint, Jaden Blue is a home run hitting small change of pace back, but he doesn't really operate between the tackles like CJ Baxter. So I'm going to play CJ Baxter. I tend to think he's the most underpriced running back on the entire slate, which is going to open up a lot for you because he's 5,600. So Baxter, he'll be a guy we look to get to a lot. He's also very cheap on FanDuel. So you can play Baxter on both platforms. Receiving game. Xavier Worthy, I mean, he's really cheap on FanDuel, which doesn't make a lot of sense. 8,600 over there is pretty laughable. He did come into the game with a Q tag, but a lot of people are expecting him to play. That seems to be the consensus. 10.8 targets per game in the last four. When they're competitive, you see him in double digits. Love Xavier Worthy, 74 yards per game. I prefer him to AD Mitchell on both sites. The price gap is not vast. 500 and 400 on both. There's just a huge difference in terms of yardage output for this these two players. A.D. Mitchell scored a lot of touchdowns. We know that stat will regress. From there, Jordan Whittington and Jatavian Sanders round out this. Jordan Whittington is basically like a 50 to 60% player. He comes off the field when they use Gunner Helm in two tight end sets, but Jatavian Sanders does not come off the field. His targets have been down of late, just four per game in the last four. He's been banged up, so I think that has something to do with it. But he's only 3,700, and he's an electric player. He's actually fairly close to 80 Mitchell. He's only 200 yards behind. And on a per-game basis, it's 58.7 to 41.8. So that price gap is pretty vast, and I think you could just play Sanders as a value play. Second contest, we go to the MAC. Miami, Ohio takes on Toledo. Really low total of 44 points. Spread is 7.5. I mean, Miami, Ohio is 130th in pace. They have a 41.5% pass rate, which has fallen even further since Brett Gabbert got hurt and Avion Smith took over. The one thing I'll say on Avion Smith, FanDuel, he's 6,500. Now, FanDuel is not particularly tight in pricing, but I mean, you can play almost every stud on the planet if you roster Avion Smith on FanDuel. DraftKings, he's difficult to get to. He's not that cheap, but man... As far as his skill set goes, he is a mobile signal caller. They use him as a glorified running back at times. Last week, he only had five designed attempts, but the week prior, he had 17. Prior to that, 11. Prior to that, 16. They'll use him as a rusher just frequently. They And part of the reason he only had five attempts last week is they didn't run a lot of plays. So when you see Miami, Ohio, I wouldn't look too much into that. Avion Smith, better on FanDuel. A lot of opportunity costs with him in general, but I'm not Xing him out. Backfield, they use Rashad Amos, Kenny Tracy, and Kevin Davis. Amos leads this team with 14 touches per game. He ebbs and flows a little bit. We've seen him above 20. We've also seen him at 13, like last week. But he's not a pass catcher, so that's a worry. They will use Kevin Davis and Tracy as that pass catching back. If they're down in this game, there is some downside with Amos. He just shouldn't be more expensive than Baxter. In the receiving game, Gage Larvidane is questionable. That has kind of led to Joe Wilkins, Cade McDonald, Javon Tracy, and Miles Marshall playing a ton. They're not using a tight end at all. Last game, they barely had one on the field. 
four wide a ton, but I don't know who comes off the field. If Larvidane returns, their coach said that they hope to get him back in some capacity, which doesn't really inspire confidence in me. Like is some capacity, 50%, 70%. Do we have any idea if we'll find out? And I don't think we will. With Avion under center, I don't have a ton of interest in Larvidane. I honestly think there's better values than Wilkins, McDonald, Tracy, and Marshall as well. If you force me to pick, it's probably Tracy coming off back-to-back games with five and nine targets. Toledo, good team total here. Not great. It's still only 26 points. Toledo 70th in pace with a 40% pass rate. Daquan Finn's just not running like he was last year. His designed attempt counts are six, two, three, and six. I mean, we need like 12 for him to pay off the salary. On FanDuel, he's egregious. He's above 10K. You certainly can't play him there. A little more affordable on DraftKings, but he only averages 199 pass yards per game, 530 rushing yards. It's good. It's not great. Again, I'm worried about just the designed attempts being pretty low for Daquan Finn right now. In the running game, Penny Boone is going to project fairly well. 7,700 for him. He averages 112 yards per game. The one thing I'll say about this, the total's low, and that's because you have the two best defenses in this conference facing off. Toledo's one, Miami, Ohio's two, and both teams aren't fast. So there is some opportunity cost with Penny Boone. We might see him with 15 carries just because the game is super slow. Jock Stewart at 58, certainly overpriced. They use him a lot as a change of pace when games are out of hand. When they're competitive, we see Jock Stewart. He gets his roll cut. Like two weeks ago against Bowling Green, only three carries for Stewart, 15 for Boone. This game is still projected around a touchdown in terms of spread. So I still have worries with Jock Stewart. It's a Booner pass. And then this team just doesn't throw enough to play any of the receivers at their prices. Jerwan Newton and Junior Vandeross are really the only two full-time guys. Wide receiver three is a direct 50-50 timeshare between Devin Maddox and Jaden Dotton. They use about 17 tight ends. I mean, I, I don't think any of these Toledo receivers are in play outside of larger tournaments, and that would be Jerwan Newton and Junior Vandeross primarily. Before we move on, I want to tell you about our data package, which... We're continuing through college football bowl season, which there's games every day. So if you think college football's over, we've got a month of games almost every day straight, starting December 16th through the college football playoff and Natty. That'll be projections. We'll have ownership projections for the playoff. And we'll have this data tool that you're looking at. So the link is below. Take advantage of that. We're not stopping anytime soon. And we have hoops. So that's there too. Mountain West title game, Boise State, UNLV came down to the computer tiebreaker, but this is what we get, two and a half point spread in favor of Boise, 59 total. Boise State is 88th in pace, UNLV is 47th. Both teams pretty run heavy. We've got a 42% pass rate on both sides. Taylor Green, 6,700. He's 9K on FanDuel. I'll just say this right away. On DraftKings, I want one quarterback from this game. Taylor Green, very mobile, 346 rushing yards. They don't use him a ton on designed runs. He has exactly six and three straight games, but he's a dynamic rusher. And as a passer, I think he's competent enough to take advantage of a pretty suspect UNLV defense. That's a commonality on both of these teams is bad defensive play. Backfield, just like I thought would happen, screw all the haters who told me I was wrong. They used Ashton Genty and George Liney in a 50-50 committee. It's wrong. Their coach is a moron, but I don't think you can expect any different. We've actually had George Helani out carry Genty in two straight games. I know Genty's coming off the injury. 
but I mean, I think they're both overpriced. They could get there on efficiency. Genty's done it a ton, but I mean, you're paying 8K for a timeshare back. You're paying 6.3K for a timeshare back. Like, backs are just going to outcarry them both. Anyway, to the receivers, tons of injuries. McAllister, Cobbs, Penry, Whiting, all project to miss the game again. Their three wide receivers are Billy Bowens, Prince Strahan, and Austin Bolt. None of them had more than three targets last week. None of them have more than five targets in the last two games. You're likely looking at six targets max for one of these players. I think if you're going down to somebody, it's probably Bolt at 3,300. Strahan's 34. Billy Bones is 3,400 as well. So, I mean, honestly, these Boise guys are probably going to project well. And depending on the construction of your lineup, you might need a Stars and Scrubs build. I mean, these guys are all like 80% of the routes plus. So it's it's hard to differentiate them. And we honestly don't have like a sample big enough to really, I think, confidently say this guy's the one, this guy's the two, this guy's the three. Like you could convince me that Bolt is the one. He's had the best target per route rate. You could also convince me it's Bowens who played the most out of these guys. And I mean, Prince Strahan, it, you have to go back three weeks and he led the team in targets. I'm just going to mix and match these three and hope that one of them pops up for a big game in the right lineup. Tight end, it's a split. Riley Smith is back from injury, so I think you're going to look at a 50-50 committee between him and Matt Lauder. UNLV, fast, playing a bad Boise defense on the other side. They're outside the top 100 in almost every major defensive metric. Jaden Maeva has been solid, and he runs as well. 244 rushing yards for him. The design attempts are volatile. He went from 2 to 8 to 4 to 1. As a passer, 218 yards per game. But that dual threat ability in this game environment is something that's still going to project very well. So I, I'm going to probably end up with one of Taylor Green and Jaden Maeva in all lineups or close to it at least. In the backfield, it is a four-way committee. Vincent Davis, Jaden Thomas, Donovan Lester, Courtney Reese. And the horrible thing about it is it's just volatile. Ebbs and flows every week. I was trying to project routes, and I'm not kidding. One week, it's like Vincent Davis, 40% of routes. The next week, Jaden Thomas is at 40. Then it's Donovan Lester at 40. And meanwhile, when one of them pops to 40, the other one's like dropped down to 12%. And there's been no clear pattern to this. It just seemingly is the hot hand. Makes the UNLV backs very difficult to get to. The one player we can get to with confidence is Ricky White, the former borderline four-star Michigan State transfer averaging 10.3 targets per game last four and 109 yards against this horrific Boise defense. He is going to eat way more affordably priced on DraftKings on FanDuel. He's expensive. Again, that FanDuel slate is not tightly priced. You still might want to play Ricky White, but on DK, man, he's an electric value. And then Jacob DeJesus. This guy is a full-time receiver for UNLV. He has seven targets in back-to-back games. He's 3,200. So we've talked about a couple value plays. We talked about some Boise guys. I'd rather play DeJesus than almost all of them. His route rate was at 73% last week. I mean, the only other thing to mention here is they benched Seneca McKee. He only played like six snaps last week. And Corey Thompson Jr. was at 94% of the routes. So Corey Thompson Jr., four targets, stone minimum. I looked for injury news on Seneca McKee. Nobody reported anything, so this might just flat out be a role change. Corey Thompson Jr. over Seneca McKee. It's not going to project well because the sample size is really low, or small, I should say. But if you're throwing a dart, 
like Corey Thompson for tournaments, you might be getting like a 90% route share at 3K flat. So just wanted to put that out there. I don't know if I'm going to do it. Really got to think about it and hopefully find some news about McKee. But that happened last week at the least. SMU Tulane, we have a spread of three and a half points in favor of the Green Wave, 47 and a half total. Money's coming in on Tulane. Money's coming in on the under. That's all because Preston Stone broke his game at the end of a meaningless contest against Navy where they were winning by about 50 points. Nice job, Rhett Lashley. Anyway, SMU 30th in pace with a 46% pass rate. They now move to freshman Kevin Jennings, who we know nothing about. He has 28 rushing yards. It's about two yards per carry. I don't know anything about him as a passer. How could you? He hasn't played. So you're looking at a complete dart throw against a good two-lane defense, which just shut down Frank Harris and UTSA. I don't know. The team total here is low at 22 points. I think I'd rather take shots on Bowman. I certainly would rather find the salary to get to Taylor Green or Maeva. Kevin Jennings should be contrarian, but I mean, it's pretty difficult to get to him. Plus, not to jump over running back, we'll come back to it, but who do you stack him with? They do not have a clear receiving core. It's basically everyone somewhere between 45 to 55% of the routes. They've even cut back on RJ Maryland's routes. He is the best route rated tight end, but still 38 yards per game for Maryland. Jake Bailey, Romella Brinson, Jordan Hudson, Keyshawn Smith, Moochie Dixon, Roderick Daniels. These guys all have very limited route rates, and they're going to mix and match their six receivers. A lot of you got there with Moochie Dixon at 3,100 last week. And congrats to you. They were playing Navy. It was probably smart to take shots on SMU. I actually played some Moochie Dixon, but I find myself to be extremely fortunate because he had a 30% route rate. Moochie Dixon participated in 30% of SMU's routes, and he hit 30 points on DraftKings. I mean, just wild efficiency. I'm probably not going back to him because he's expensive now. Like, my approach with... This SMU team, if I play them, is just to play the cheapest receivers. So this week, that's Roderick Daniels, that's Keyshawn Smith, Romello Brinson, and Jake Bailey. I'm going to play them when they pop up. I don't anticipate it being frequently, but this is a very dicey situation. The backfield, I mean, I don't know how you play an SMU back at this point. You never know when they're injured. Even when they suit up, they're not guaranteed to play. Last week, Jalen Knighton and LJ Johnson didn't play with no news. That game was meaningless, so I get it, but apparently not meaningless enough to get your quarterback out of there safely. Anyway, Kamar Wheaton led the backfield. I think if you projected this, it's going to be Knighton 1, Johnson 2, Kamar Wheaton 3, all of them very close in projection, like, 30% 30% of this running back touches tonight and 25 to Johnson, 20 to Wheaton, all the rest spread between quarterback, Belton Gardner, Tyler Levine, if that makes sense. So I can't see myself playing an SMU back. I just don't know why you would take on the risk when there's just better plays price adjusted. Michael Pratt, he's very expensive. 8K on DraftKings, 10K on FanDuel is laughable, but I think there is upside with Pratt that's worth targeting in tournaments especially if this game plays closer to the original total. Like if Kevin Jennings has a pulse and pushes Pratt, that's where you can see this game maybe play above the total, but he has 321 rushing yards, averages 217 through the air. Incredible efficiency. The problem is he just throws 25 times per game. So you run into volume concerns. If Tulane smashes SMU, that's going to be an issue as well. The backfield, I mean, Makai Hughes, man, this guy is a wagon. 
And it might not look like his target share is good, but I mean, his route rate has been on the rise, even though he wasn't targeted last week. Like this guy's route share is around 50%. No issues playing with Kai Hughes. He has touch counts of 23 and 26 in the last two games. Prior to that, he was at 26 again and 20 overall. Makai Hughes is a very strong price-adjusted play against SMU, who has a great defense on paper, but benefited from playing the easiest schedule in the AAC. Receiving game, it looks like we're getting back Jaquan Jackson, but Lawrence Keyes is out. He's already been ruled out. I'm expecting the three wide receivers set to be Chris Brazell is the one, Jaquan Jackson is the two, Yo Keith Brown is the three, and then Bryce Bohannon is the four. They've used Bohannon as a full-time receiver of late, but I think he's most likely to fall back down to a rotational role. Yolkeith Brown is somewhat at risk of this too. So ultimately, I'm just probably going to try to find the salary to get to Jaquan Jackson and Brazell. Bauman is interesting at tight end, but I still think you're at risk of him seeding snaps to some of these receivers. Even just last week, his routes dropped from 90% when everyone was hurt down to 77%. So, I mean, to rank these guys, Brazell one, Jaquan Jackson two, Bauman's three, Yelkeith Brown four, Bryce Bohannon five among pass catchers for Tulane. Georgia-Bama, the SEC title game, has a 54.5 total, a six-point spread in favor of Georgia. 124th in pace is Georgia, 48% pass rate. They project to be healthier here. Carson Beck is efficiently priced, runs a little bit. This is the toughest defense he's faced by far, not, e- not even remotely close. But Beck has still been awesome in semi-tough matchups against like Missouri and stuff. He's played well. No issues with him. He averages 292 yards per game, and he should have all his pass catchers back. Last week, we did not see Brock Bowers, Rob Rod Thomas, or Lad McConkey. I think the way you would rank these players is Bowers is very clearly wide receiver one, tight end one, pass catcher one. Eight targets in his most recent game, over 82% of the routes. Just a precaution last week. Bowers is going to eat. Number two, I think, is Ladd. He's probably the most injured of these guys in my estimation. He hasn't really touched 60% of the routes that frequently, but he is targeted at a crazy rate route-wise. So I'll put Ladd two. Three, love it. Four, Ladd McConkey. Five, Marcus Rosemead Jackson. Dylan Bell, six. He's interesting because he gets carries once in a while. And he's still really cheap, so I could see maybe throwing a dart on Dylan Bell, but he's getting thinner with everybody back. Just check. Maybe one of these guys sits. I don't think it happens, but if it does, that's where Bell would become interesting. The backfield, I think we're looking at a 50-50 committee between Edwards and Milton moving forward. Neither of them are going to project well in this matchup at these prices. Just GPB darts only. Bama, we've got Jalen Milrow, 98th in pace with a 40% pass rate. Again, we talk about him a lot. We need him to get ceiling games on the ground because he only throws the ball 21 and a half times per game. Designed attempts, 13-6-1-5. They're probably going to trail in this game. So, I mean, Milrow is going to be a little more live, but I bet projects straight up better than him at a cheaper price tag. So, Milrow is a tournament-only option in my estimation. The backfield is very interesting because... Jace McClellan got hurt in their last game. Allegedly, he's been dealing with a foot injury all season long, and last week was just kind of that final straw that pulled him out of the game. He was in a boot. Seems very questionable. He didn't practice as of Tuesday. I would love that. I would love if he sat because I don't think there is a even remotely 
decent drop off between him and Roydell Williams. Roydell Williams is 4K on DraftKings and 5,800 on FanDuel. I'd love to just smash Roydell Williams into lineups. I think he, he has better efficiency metrics than Jace McClellan straight up. They just don't give him a ball. Jam Miller maybe would be a change of pace in that situation, the Oregon State transfer. I don't know. We haven't really seen that because McClellan's been healthy all year. Receiving game, Isaiah Bond and Jermaine Burton are the top two receivers. It's not really particularly close. They rotate everybody else on this team. So th those are the two guys you want to get to first and foremost. Beyond that, you're going to see Malik Benson, 47% route rate. Amari Nyblack, the hybrid receiving tight end, 39%. Kobe Prentice, about 20%. Kendrick Law, 20%. Jalen Hale, 20%. CJ Dippery was at about 50. So at the other tight end that plays with Nye Black, that's at least worth noting. But you can tell this is nasty SMU-esque rotations beyond Bond and Burton who have full-time roles. Uh, if I played someone, it's pro honestly probably like, honestly, it's going to be Nye Black. If it's not Bond or Burton, just the targets make a lot of sense. But he still only averages 2.2 targets per game. I do not anticipate playing a lot of the Alabama ancillary options. Let's go to the Sun Belt Championship where we have App State taking on Troy. Just an awesome real life game that I cannot wait for. Five and a half point spread in favor of Troy. 52 and a half total. App State is 45th in pace with a 49% pass rate. Joey Aguilar is pretty decent. 7K for Joey Aguilar. He has 270 rushing yards and the average is 271 through the air. At first, I thought Aguilar was kind of just victimizing weak secondaries, but then he showed out against James Madison, got them the win. Could he beat Troy? Very unlikely, but 7K, he's at a decent price point where I want to play some of him in tournaments. Definitely not a preferred play, but I'm not Xing him out either. I want some exposure to this game in case it goes over the total, and Aguilar to Caden Robinson primarily is going to be where I look. The backfield's impossible. We do not know the status of Nate Noel. He was supposed to play last week and then just didn't. Kanye Roberts had 14 carries. McQuell Haywood had six carries. Former linebacker Anderson Castle had six carries. Like, I just don't know where the carries are going for this team, which is exceedingly difficult to target, especially when you're facing Troy's defense. At receiver, Caden Robinson, 10 targets last game. He's your wide receiver one. It's not particularly close. But we did see the return of Christian Horn. His route rate was immediately 58%. So we're starting to get back into confidence with Horn. Deshaun Davis is the three. And then Dalton Stroman is the four. They do use Eli Wilson a fair amount of tight end, but that position is split a little bit. David Larkins, Miller Gibbs, they'll also rotate in. So Caden Robinson's pretty clearly the one. Davis is probably the second best in price adjusted guy just because Horn's expensive. But let's move on to Troy, 85th in pace, 51% pass rate. Gunnar Watson, he's actually a pretty decent play on DraftKings. I want to stress decent, like I don't think he's amazing. He does take sacks, negative 81 rushing yards, but he makes up for it through the air, 358 yards per game on 32 attempts. He's live for a 300-yard bonus. I think... I'm still trying to get to Taylor Green or Maeva over him, but Gunnar Watson, re relatively decent price adjusted play. In the backfield, Kamani Vital has 23 touches per game, 112 yards, awesome pass catching role. Vital is a stud I'm going to pay up for. App State's run defense is awful, 4.9 yards per carry. 
I think he's one of the best studs to target on this slate. And he's not expensive on either platform. 7K might look like a lot, but I think he's completely fine. I like him and Baxter. And then a receiver. I mean, Jabari Barber being 4,400 is egregious. The guy has target counts of 12, 7, and 7 in the last three games. What are we doing with Jabari Barber? Why is he below 5K? Why is he cheaper than Chris Lewis? who he has he has more than 200 receiving yards, more than him. He has 93 targets to Chris Lewis is 62. Now, who priced out this slate? I mean, I, I don't know. Jabari Barber is an awesome play. I don't know who did this, but it's it just flat out a mistake. They flipped their prices. But Chris Lewis will be a contrarian guy that's probably single-digit owned because who would play him over Jabari? Otherwise, Devontae Ross... His route rate's around 55%. Deshaun Stoudemire around 55%. Landon Parker at receiver, 20%. They rotate tight ends, not taking stabs there. But yeah, Jabre Barber is an awesome play. Louisville, Florida State, two and a half point spread in favor of SFE. <laughs> in favor of Florida State. Sorry, guys. Total's 47 and a half. On the Louisville side, they're 103 in pace with a 45% pass rate. I imagine that comes up. They, they had the easy schedule in the conference. Plummer actually has 60 rushing yards, which is wild to me. He averages 246 per game through the air on 28 attempts. Expecting a decline in efficiency against a very tough FSU defense, but also expecting more volume, so I imagine that just balances out. He's too expensive for my liking on DraftKings. He's really cheap on FanDuel, so 7,400 I think is live over there. At running back, Jawar Jordan splitting in like a 60-40 capacity with Isaac Grendo at this point. Grendo's played really well. Like I don't know how you keep Grendo out the field. But both are semi-viable. Jawar Jordan at 71. He did have 17 carries last game. And as far as targets go, he had another three. So even 20 touches. Garendo had 17 touches in the change of pace role. Expect the volume as a whole to drop a little bit as underdogs, but still looking at pretty good price-adjusted plays. Jamari Thrash continues to work his way back from injury. Eight targets last game. We're starting to see him fully return. So 6,300 is a value if you think he's back to that early season workload. They just rotate everyone beyond him. Bell, Coleman, Callaway, Huggins, Bruce, the tight ends, Jaden Thompson. No one's above 50% of the routes. FSU, Tate Rodemaker, he's worth taking a shot on, I think, in tournaments. He doesn't run, but I don't really think Louisville's defense is any good. They play the worst teams in the conference. Just not sure what they do with Rodemaker volume-wise. Like, to begin with, FSU did have a 51% pass rate. We saw him run a lot more last week. They're 82nd in pace, so they're not fast. Rodemaker's just like a tournament dart, maybe worth targeting because you believe in the, the options around him, which I do. So I'm not going to X out Rodemaker, but certainly not going to play a ton of him. Trey Benson had 19 carries against Florida. They didn't even give Rodney Hill a touch. And Lawrence Toafili, he only had six touches. So FSU really hasn't played a tough schedule outside of their early season against LSU and Clemson. They've kind of coasted since then. So it's nice to see them sort of move back to Trey Benson when games are competitive. Because for a while there, I wasn't sure if they were actually going to involve Hill and Toafili more because they'd been playing cupcakes. But it's good to see Benson. I think he's a fine play. The receivers are egregiously cheap. I mean, they got the full, full bump down because of Tate Rodemaker. 5,200 for Coleman. 4,900 for Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson still had 10 targets. Coleman had six. Like, what are they going to do? Run the ball every play? They didn't suddenly turn into Air Force. I'm playing them both. Probably not together unless I'm using Rodemaker as the quarterback, but I'm going to have a lot of Coleman and Wilson, two of the better plays in the slate. 
Jaheim Bell, man, like, I don't know. Maybe he's just not as good as I think he is. He's locked into a 50% route share. They're using Kyle Morlock. They're using Marqueston Douglas. Man, I don't know. I thought he was one of the best pass catchers in the country. Maybe I'm just wrong on Jaheim Bell because this is the second coaching staff that doesn't think he's deserving of a full-time role. I don't know. A lot less intriguing than I initially thought he was. So probably time for me to stop playing him and losing money. Final game, we have the Big Ten Championship, Michigan and Iowa. 35 total, 21 and a half point spread. J.J. McCarthy's really cheap on Fandle. He's going to project well over there. You're just hoping they reach their team total or exceed it because he doesn't really do a lot. 181 yards on the ground, averages to a seven through the air. Blake Corm now has touch counts of 26, 28, and 22. Even Donovan Edwards, 10, 11, 10. They both could have efficient enough performances against an Iowa defense who looks great on paper. Answer me this, who have they played? Penn State, yep, they gave up 31. They were outgained in many of their contests. Yeah, looked easy to look really good when you play Northwestern, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, and Purdue every week. We'll see how they do against Michigan. I tend to think this goes beyond the spread. Probably going to bet a Michigan team total. Corum needs a couple scores to pay out that tag, which is in his range. Same with Edwards. Don't love the Michigan receivers. We've seen this so many times this year in blowouts because that's all they schedule. And the Big Ten doesn't really hold up their end of the deal other than Ohio State. They're very willing to just neuter this passing attack. There was a stretch where Roman Wilson had one target in two games while they were just murdering opponents. I don't see myself playing a Michigan pass catcher. I'll play McCarthy naked if I have to. On Fanduel, that's where I'm considering it. Deacon Hill, I'll say this. Iowa would be the exact same if they removed him from the field and played 10 on 11. Don't play Deacon Hill. LaShawn Williams, Caleb Johnson, they are not priced down enough for me to want to play them. It's... It's like 60% Williams, 30% Johnson, 5 to 10% Patterson. I would need this all consolidated to one player to play a running back against Michigan for this team. And then at receiver, they're muddying things by potentially returning Dante Vines. Recently, Reganey and Caleb Brown have been their top two receivers with Addison Ostrenia playing tight end. We'll have to see how this shakes out. Maybe you play a contrarian Caleb Brown or Nico Regani just because they're going to get nine to 10 targets at a really cheap price point. And at that point, we don't have a ton of alternatives on this slate. I mean, you're basically trying to outscore DeJesus or some of the other value we talked about, but I think it's possible. I'm not going to X out Iowa because it's a shorter slate. And also you've got a lot of late swap stuff because they're the last game too. So you'll, you'll have information. You can swap things around if you want, but I'm actually not going to X them out. All right, we'll do top fives by each site before we head out of here. Starting with DK, I don't think this will surprise any of you at the top. Let me find it. Sorry. Top two are Taylor Green and Jaden Maeva. I have no issues playing either one. Three is actually Gunnar Watson. I still think you could play one of the stars, if you will. Like You definitely don't need to just lock in two of the three cheap guys, but it's nice to have options. Among the studs, Pratt actually projects the best. At 8K or higher, Carson Beck is two. So we'll leave that at QB. The mid-price range guys looking pretty strong. At running back, Baxter is number one. That's just assuming he goes back to the workload from two weeks ago and Jaden Blue doesn't handle a lot. Kamani Vitals, two. Makai Hughes is three. Trey Benson is four. 
And Roydell Williams is five, just to bring you behind the glass. Right now, we have we have Jason McClellan projected in. We have a 50-50 committee projected. So if Jace is out, Roydell would shoot way up this list and probably be one or two. At receiver, we scroll down. Number one is Jabari Barber. No surprise there. Number two is Jacob DeJesus with that 70% route share at 3,200. Three is Johnny Wilson. Four is Ricky White. So I guess you do have a conundrum, Zeus or Ricky White. 